Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan. He can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Mountain right! Welcome to the show! Friday, April 7th, it's the call-up, and we've got every single minor league team playing at this point, right? I think the rest of the teams that have not played in double A, maybe low A, will play today, a little bit after we record. And we're finally 100% underway of the minor league season. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to prime you on the most loaded minor league rosters because from triple A all the way down to low A, there are some really talented rosters in terms of prospect intrigue. And then also we're going to recap kind of the first time around the rotation, right? We got a chance to see some of those struggling aces, so to speak, that we talked about in the last episode really bounce back in, in a nice way. And we also have a Grayson Rodriguez debut. It's amazing how much can change between one episode, Jack. Yeah. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> no, I mean, it's awesome, man. Like we couldn't be more back, which yeah. is great. And like, like you've got a G-Rod debut. You've got a Bryce Terang Grand Slam that we haven't hit on yet. Uh, and you've got minor league opening day for everybody. Happy belated opening day to, um, I want to say like 75% of like high A and double A teams. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like now we've got the 25% that wanted to hold off for another day. <laughs> I have no idea why that makes any sense, but uh, everybody's getting going. Like Tink Hens just threw last night, man. That's really cool. I yeah. love that. I missed like the four inning spurts of Tink Hens throwing one, one hit shutout ball. Yeah, and I'm hoping we'll stretch it to like four and a third, four and two thirds. And it's funny because that's like 60 pitches. <laughs> yeah, which I get it. They want to be careful with Tink. But like, man, I just want to see that guy go seven. Like, he, it's so effortless. I'm so excited. And it was Emmanuel Rodriguez that he kind of carved up. So it was yeah. a cool matchup. So even in the lower levels, you get these high profile matchups. And yeah, they're not imminent big leaguers, but it's a really good way to be able to gauge how good these guys are. Because a lot of times in the lower levels, you get the really talented prospects kind of beating up on, to, to be fair, a lot of guys that won't really make it to, to the next step or really succeed at the next step. So whenever you get these opportunities to get Emmanuel versus Tink, you want to lock in a little bit more. It's not the same as double and triple where, uh, you know, most of you know the, the players that are kind of fringy and being able to play in the upper levels have probably been trimmed out at that point. You know what it is like lower level minor league baseball is college basketball and, and upper level minors are the NBA where like yeah. Cam Thomas can give you the work in triple A. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can have a random guy have a two homer day in double triple A because they've earned that. Like yeah. they have succeeded at every level versus like, you know, you, you get to low high A, you may have a 26, 27 year old guy that's been out of college for four years and it's just not really working. And this is yeah. his last breath. Yeah. So you're seeing like this. NBA bona fide prospect like a Brandon Miller go up against a mid-major guy and it's yeah. like wow that one's so much better than the other one and you see that very clearly in in high A 
and uh, in low A. And that's why it's really hard to to evaluate, you know, uh, a lot of these guys at the lower levels. And then you got to kind of just look at everything in a vacuum. But we're going to break some of that down and, and also kind of compare them to themselves, because we'll start with some of the guys that stood out yesterday. I want to start with one guy that we probably wouldn't have discussed if he didn't go four innings. And it really uh, was exciting for me to see and talk about comparing him to himself. Maddox Bruns, first round pick by the Dodgers in 2021. Um the guy walked 20% of batters last year. And I don't think the Dodgers were sounding the alarm. This was a big lefty that they knew was going to be a project. And he never threw more than three and two thirds innings last year. Uh, and he never, I don't think he had many outings where he walked less than two, even in his two inning spurts, it was always multiple walks. He comes out last, last night or yesterday. I don't remember exactly what time the game was, but goes four innings, strikes out seven. And, and mind you, he's never gone four innings, strikes out seven, only walks two and everything just looked better. His mechanics looked more repeatable. He just looked more confident. He had a rhythm out there on the mound that I haven't really seen from him. Uh, that was just awesome to see because of course it's the Dodgers and it's like, Oh, are they going to do this again? But in, in a nutshell, it's just cool to see a young lefty out of high school that really struggled the year before get off to the start that he got to this season. Uh, I'm really interested now to follow and see how he continues to build off of that. Because we know when the Dodgers take a high school pitcher that, that has the kind of stuff that Bruns has, they clearly saw something and it may, it might, it might be them finally kind of getting through to him now and getting him to kind of get right. Well, and think about the Dodgers situation, right? I mean, we talk about, you know, how they they are a constant factory and like, oh, Urias is in the last year of, of his control. So he may hit the open market. I bet they re-up with Julio Urias. That guy just feels like a Dodger for his entire career. Um, but you've got, you know, Kershaw nearing the end of his career right now. Gonsolin, how many years is he going to be good? Dustin May looks like he is the future, you know, front runner in that rotation. So if you've got a front three next year, of Walker Bueller, who I do believe is entering a contract year next year, Julio Urias and Dustin May, you got to find two more spots. As of right now, it looks like Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. Yeah, It probably looks like Pepio as some depth. But then after that, like, where's the depth? Who's the next There's phase? So much. Exactly. Yeah. Who's the next phase? Maddox Bruns can be part of the next phase. Emmett Sheehan can be part of that next phase who you sent me and he looked gross. You can also think about this Dodger season in a vacuum. 2023, we expect them to have a tighter race for that division than in recent years. They're yes. not going to run away with it. So what do you do when you are in a tight division race? You make trades to go get really good players. How do you make trades to go get really good players? You have prospects that are a surplus. Yeah. And if Bruns is really good and you feel like he doesn't factor into the long-term plans, Andrew Friedman can make Maddox Bruns a headliner to go get an outfielder of Trace Thompson doesn't have any more three homer games. Yeah. And and that's the crazy thing because it, it, whether they get him kind of rolling into this rhythm where all of a sudden here's how it works too. When a lefty looks like Maddox Brunts uh, with the, the stuff that he has and he starts to throw strikes and he's in the Dodgers org, you're going to see this guy fly up the prospect ranking. So that's something to monitor here. Um, and all of a sudden that'll be a guy that a lot of teams, you know, anytime the Dodgers are talking trades or things like that, that's going to be one of the names that's floated. If he can continue to, you know, prove that, that he is that dude that they drafted in the first round, staying on the Dodgers kind of theme here, Gavin stone, big bounce back. Um, I watched this start probably more closely than any other start yesterday. Um, and what stood out to me was, that he honestly just had a lot more, excuse me, two days ago now, right? It would have been, um, it seemed like he just had a lot more confidence in, in his stuff. What was interesting though, is that he saw the fastball velocity kind of dip down a little bit as the start went on, but he still was incredibly effective, uh, and didn't really have any issues. Five innings, three hits, one run, no walks, five Ks that'll play. Uh, but we saw him kind of sit 94, 95 last year. He was a lot of 94, 95 in the first inning or two, and then started to drop down towards 91. That's something to monitor. They didn't seem like it was an issue for him because the changeup was so good that he can be effective at the low 90s. But again, something to watch because there was more 91s than 95s. That said, it was nice to see him, you know, just be more effective in terms of throwing strikes. He did fall behind hitters a little bit more than I'd like to see, but didn't walk anybody battled back every single time. So maybe the next start will be that next phase where then he's getting ahead of guys more. 
The changeup was fantastic. That was what was clear. He had 11 swinging strikes on the changeup. looks like Gavin Stone is, you know, kind of settling back in after that somewhat rough first start. But the velocity thing is something to monitor. Yeah, and you hope his stuff gets jumpier. And I think that, you know, with Velo down, the stuff looked a little bit more subdued and, and just overall flat. Like, and it could have been the camera angle. Again, like, you know, the some of these camera angles, some of these center field cameras are, are doing some teams a disservice. I mean, yeah. hell, dude, I just I just called a couple of games in Louisville where like I didn't even have a center field camera. So, you know, it, it could be deceiving from from the camera, but you know, it it looked a little less lively than it did last year. And, and that's a teensy bit concerning, but you also have to remember that, you know, we're in start number two on the yeah. season and it was cold as hell yeah. in Vegas. When does it get cold in Vegas? <laughs> Only for Gavin Stone starts. Yeah. It, well, and again, that might've been what the, you know, and probably got colder as the night went on, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that could have easily been what, what resulted in the VLO dropping a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one last Dodger guy that I want to hit on. Happy opening day to the high A affiliate, the Great Lakes Loons. Happy opening day to opening day starter Ronan Cop. And Cop has been my underground like indie rock pick as like a sleeper. His numbers in low A last year were utterly insane. I mean, this guy was punching out everybody in society through just over 60 innings. So if you're looking for something to do at 6.05 tonight, I would pop on MILB TV and watch Ronan Cop. I'm looking forward to doing that. And then also one last Dodger guy before we move on to a few more arms real quick and then get into those top rosters. Emmett Sheehan was yeah. absolutely disgusting last night. And, and this is a name to watch. We've talked about him as a breakout candidate, um, right-handed pitcher that is just similar to Gavin Stone, has just a nasty changeup, fastball jumps. Um he could not have been much better the other night. So th- this is another guy that just is is really has a chance to climb through this system very quickly and be an absolute force for them as well. So it- it's just amazing that the kind of pitching top to bottom that they have here in this Dodgers Oregon and for Sheehan to get off to the start that he got off to really exciting for what they have kind of building over there from top to bottom in that system. Do you have the exact stat line in front of you? I texted you to go pull it up like the, the last night. Um, and for whatever reason, I thought I had it in front of me and I lost it. Do you do you know what Emmett did last night? Because I, I don't want to like I don't want to butcher the exact stat line because it was pretty ridiculous. Yes. Uh, Emmett Sheehan went as a massive ad pops up on MILB.com. Emmett Sheehan, five innings, no hits, no runs, struck out eight, didn't walk anyone. Only runner that reached base was uh, a hit by pitch. He threw 63 pitches in five innings. That's yeah. as good as it gets yeah. in the Dodger orc. That's that's a joke. <laughs> so th- there you go. Like that was a disgusting outing from him. A couple more guys. Andrew Abbott had one of the best outings I've seen in a long time. I'm, uh-huh. I'm desperately waiting for some of the data on that on that outing because we don't really have any of the, the pitch speeds and, and you know, really anything beyond just the surface level stats. But he went four and two thirds. This is a Reds prospect, by the way. Four and two thirds, no hits, no runs, one walk, 11 Ks. He faced 15 batters, struck out 11 of them, walked one. The other three flew out. That is one of the best minor league opening days I can ever remember. This is one of the best minor league outings I've seen in a while. Um, 79 pitches to, to do what he did there. Andrew Abbott, I want to see if the VLO ticked up because that's something that he's done in the past. He's kind of seen that tick up. The stuff is, is unique because it plays up from his tough release point. Fastball has some jump. That's an insane outing uh, from Andrew Abbott against a pretty good Rocket City lineup. The only guy that swung it well in that game was Zach Neto, who looks fantastic again. I Zach Neto is going to be playing big league shortstop for the Angels this year. I, I, I'm already saying that after spring training and a couple, uh, the first game that we saw from him in double A, like he's going to find his way up there. Can I give you the take of all takes? Yes. Zach Neto starts at shortstop in a wild card game. <laughs> I love it. I actually think that's facts. I 100% think that's going to happen. Um, Gavin Williams of the Guardians, fantastic start for him against a pretty good Erie lineup. That's Detroit's double A. Four and a third, two hits, no runs, one walk, nine Ks. We know that guy can pitch. How about Logan Allen? I think it was in a piggyback, four and two thirds, one hit, no runs, one walk, five Ks. And then wrapping up with Taj Bradley, who we do have some data on. 
Bradley looked way better. What's interesting though, Jack, I don't know if there was something that, you know, he was dealing with ailment wise. I don't want to speculate there, but it is interesting how the Rays are keeping Taj on a very, very short leash. Uh, he he goes five innings. He was very efficient against uh, the Marlins weaker AAA affiliate. It's not, it's not a very good lineup over there, but there are a lot of former big leaguers kind of mixed in there. Uh, but he goes five innings. And and was really sharp. Five innings, two hits, a one earned run, four strikeouts, and no walks. Fastball averaged right around ninety six miles an hour, and that was the thing. Is is the velocity looked a little bit more sustainably high? Uh, yeah. But I believe he only threw fifty one pitches. So we had fifty five pitches in the debut, fifty one pitches here again. It seems like they're really easing Taj Bradley into this season. Not sure why, but regardless, it was really nice to see him bounce back. Pound the strike zone here. Um, the fastball was jumping. The slider was gross. It's more of a cutter at 90 to 91. He was getting whiffs on that. And he even mixed in a couple good splitters, which is the big X factor for Taj Bradley, I think, to be that number two, number three type starter at the big league level. Yeah, I, I think Taj, it's going to be really interesting to monitor what he does start by start. Because I think all of a sudden, like with the snap of a finger, we're going to get 10 starts into his season. We're already two in, and we've seen two different Taj Bradleys. And the reason I, I say all of a sudden we're going to get 10 starts in is because we're not going to be on call-up watch for Taj Bradley. How do you work with no urgency? This is a guy that is probably major league ready, but there's no room. And the Tampa rotation two times through now, time and a half through now, has been so ridiculously good. Who do you take out? Drew Rasmussen's the four, man. Like, <laughs> there's nobody to take out of this rotation, and they're without Glasnow still, who's working his way back. So when Glasnow comes through Durham on a rehab assignment and goes up, that could make Taj Bradley really frustrated. What I appreciate is his stuff looked really electric because there is no urgency here. Like He could mail it in for 10 starts and then ramp it up in the summer when you know, somebody has to skip a turn through the rotation and he maybe makes his major league debut. Um, I think that he is going to be a really interesting guy to monitor in terms of, you know, overall like energy. I'd say pitch count is something to monitor too. I bet that pitch count climbs uh, as we get deeper in. And maybe when we hit May, he's up to 80 or 90 pitches in an outing. But yeah, man, I mean, Taj is in a really weird situation right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's trouble in paradise, right? It, you've got one of the best organizations when it comes to pitching development. Uh, They're loaded at the big league level. But you know what happens, man? Injuries, unfortunately. Um, And whether it's in a, a swingman role, some sort of role, Taj could really thrive in that swingman role, multi-inning relief. Uh, I, I think he could be a dog for them with that fastball slider combination. I do think that that might be playing a part in why they're pacing him to start the year. Because if you keep him at like, 40, 50, he's doing 50 pitches right now. That's like half a start, really. So if they're pacing him here, that might be with a big league call up at the end of the year in mind. Because if you're going to the playoffs, Taj Bradley's better than one of your filler bullpen arms, even though the, the Rays don't have many filler bullpen arms, but every team does. Taj Bradley elevates you, also helps you when you go into those 15 inning, extra inning minor league, or excuse me, playoff games where you want to stretch somebody out for three, four. He can do yeah. that for you. Um, I think that might be why they're pacing him. So it is interesting to see, uh, but he he really bounced back in a big way. One last guy that's not really a minor leaguer anymore. Congratulations to Grayson Rodriguez, who gets the promotion. Um, it, really interesting how that all shook out after Elias, you know, says what he said. Grayson comes out, pitches in the minors in AAA, doesn't look any better than what he looked like in spring training. And then my injuries happen. He gets promoted. That's why it's super weird to say what he said, but we don't need to get into Michael Elias. We talked about that on the just baseball show that said Grayson looked fantastic in his big league debut the other day against the Rangers and dueling across from none other than Jacob deGrom Grayson of the Orioles went five innings, four hits, two runs, one walk, five Ks fastball average 96.6 miles per hour. He settled in as the game went on. His poor father looked like he was going to vomit the entire game. You could just tell the kind of bond that they have there. That was so flipping awesome to see them hug after the game. That was, that was special stuff. But every time they cut to his dad, I was like, give the guy a break. This guy like, don't stop showing him. Cause he looked like he was in distress. Mr. Uh, Mr. Rodriguez, 
you don't need to worry. Your son's going to be very good for a long really time. Really good. He's going to yeah. be very good. He might have some bad starts here and there. Your son's going to be very good for a long time. I don't know what it's like to be a father in that situation, but Mr. Rodriguez, he's going to be okay. I promise. Um, it was so fun to watch, man. That was a really, really impressive start, especially after a shaky first where he threw 20 plus pitches, really settled in there. Yeah, 100%, man. I, I thought he was impressive like that's the one word that i would use to describe that outing because we see so many marquee prospects come up and just nibble and it felt like he wasn't in the business of nibbling um i think that he was probably pitching with some controlled anger at the situation which is beautiful like you get up and and you say i'm a badass mf like i'm gonna go carve through a major league lineup just to flip off the front office that said that like yeah and I, i he did that. <laughs> if you channel that vengeance towards your general manager effectively, I mean, you're probably looking at a very good pitcher. Yeah. And, and Grayson's a pro's pro. Didn't say a word, you know, just went out yeah. there and and just shoved. But I'm sure he had that that chip on his shoulder saying, I should have been here from the first time around the rotation. And here's why. And that's exactly what he showed. Um, so unfortunately, he is not on. Well, fortunately, unfortunately, he's not on the Norfolk roster which is one of the best rosters that we're going to talk about here. So let's, you want to fly through or anything else you want to talk about real quick before we fly through these loaded minor league squads real quick. Luis Ortiz looked awesome. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. No, you're good. Four and two thirds, seven punch outs, one run, three hits, one walk. Um, Command was so much better for Ortiz and start two than start one. And he bullied the shit out of Matt McClain for an at bat. He fell behind. Who's been great. Awesome. McClain has been really fun to watch these first couple of days. Um, Also, Joey Votto just cannot hit any Pirates prospects right now. Like Priester, punch out city. Ortiz, punch out city. Been really weird. But Ortiz, three straight sliders, two swings and misses, one take to punch out McClain. It was awesome. One last game, St. Paul and Iowa. It was 35 degrees at time of first pitch. Edouard Julien, opposite field homer in the bottom of the first. Matt Mervis hit an 113-mile-an-hour homer. That game was on crack, and it was so much fun to keep tabs on. Grand slam that got out in about half a second from Merv. I mean, that that was a shot. Ortiz, if he has that, that sinker, two seam and then the slider kind of tunneling off each other. It's a nightmare. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see him at the big league level pretty soon too. Yeah. Let's get to these rosters. So you want to start at the AAA level and fly our way down. Yeah. So the, the way we did it was like, we went through each level and I've got seven AAA rosters, six double seven high a and four low a. And, and we're honestly going to go relatively rapid fire. It's, Hey, here are the teams. This is the affiliate. And this, it, like, these are the notable guys on the roster. So let's start with the seven AAA teams, and we'll start with St. Louis's AAA, the Memphis Redbirds. The, the big story here is, is the tandem up top in the rotation, Matthew Liberator and Gordon Graceffo. And Liberator looked great again last night. So you got Libby and Graceffo, but you've got big league relief caliber guys in Genesis Cabrera, in Jojo Romero, my 90-mile-an-hour King Connor Thomas, and then Yvonne Herrera, depends how you want to view Yvonne Herrera at this point in his minor league career. Uh, but then you've got Mason Wynn up in triple. Moises Gomez, last year's minor league home run king on this roster as well. Uh, and then, I don't know, like some intrigue if you want with a Luke and Baker or an Errol Robinson or Oscar Mercado has been DFA'd a couple of times. He's in the Cardinal system now. So it, this is just like an intriguing roster. I think you'll have some fun tuning into Memphis Redbirds games. I do think that there's still plenty of prospect intrigue with Ivan Herrera. I, I think it's it's he's definitely a prospect fatigue victim here. Um, and I do think he's going to get traded. So this is a guy to monitor here because I, I, I do believe that that might be one of their trade chips, especially after giving a multi-year deal to Wilson Contreras. Uh, we know how much they like to clutch on to their their main guys. It's clear that Yvonne is not one of their main guys like a Mason win. Of course, Jordan Walker was even untouchable in the Juan Soto discussions like we, we know how they are. Uh, Herrera is going to be fun to monitor because if he performs, there's no spot for him. They're kind of covered like Aaron Antonini, Antonini could turn into a pretty solid backup. They've got some depth there anyways. Um, Herrera will probably be one of their trade chips that they use. So that's something to monitor there. Uh, but yeah, this is a fun team. They're going to slug. Gordon Graceffo is probably, if it's not Libertor, Graceffo is kind of that next man up. We didn't mention Libby, actually, so that kind of leads us right into it. He was fantastic again. Uh, I tweeted yeah. out the whole stat line and with a video. Fastball was jumping. He touched 97. 
Uh, Libby should be the next man up in that big league rotation. I think Graceffo is a little bit kind of stock right hand arm, which is not bad. Everyone needs that like back end of the rotation, you know, pound the strike zone, three decent pitches kind of guy like Graceffo is. But, you know, he just doesn't get me as excited. I think Libby has a higher ceiling. We've talked about how Libby has totally overhauled the fastball, not only to see it tick up, but also have some more life on it. He's commanding it better. The curveball is sharper at the 75, 76, and he's got the slider. He was absolutely gross last night. And I think those two guys, that's 40% of the rotation. You should be tuning in every time those two guys pitch, but specifically with Libertor. 30 called strikes plus whiffs, 17 on the fastball, six curveballs, five sliders, two changeups. Uh, and Graceffo is a guy that's going to work quick and pound the strike zone. It's a fun team. You texted me, Libby, period. I said, I'm back in. And you said, after 10 innings? And I said, you were back in after one pitch. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, and it was a good pitch. And I was right. Um, no, man. I mean, the curveball looks sharper, which is awesome. Like, Again, we talked about it. It was the it was the house of highlights pitch. It was the one that was like slow and beautiful, 72 miles an hour. That's the Mackenzie Gore thing, too. Curveball was never Mackenzie Gore's best pitch. Curveball is not Libby's best pitch, but because he made it tighter, that curveball is playing really well off of 97. Yeah. Who the hell knew Libby had 97 in the tank? With better shape to it. And then he's also got this slider that I really think has helped the curveball because you're worried about the curveball going like this. And for those just listening, I'm, I'm doing a downward d- gesture. Fastball doing this, I'm doing an, a, a, like a flying gesture. And then you've got a slider that's diving to the right on you. So you've got three different you know angles and then a changeup that will even mix in. So that's, that's ridiculous. They, they all follow the Kershaw template, man. Yeah. Like Kershaw, pretty curveball, but the slider's the best pitch. Mackenzie Gore, pretty curveball, slider's the better pitch. Reed Detmer's pretty curveball. His improved slider has made him a three in Major League Baseball. And Liberator, the same exact thing, man. 100%. Syracuse Mets got a little bit weaker. Um, Francisco Alvarez gets the call up. And Brett Beatty's hurt. So uh, that said, Alvarez, I think, is going to be there to stay. At the, I actually have no idea. I won't even speak on that because he's up with the big league team now that Omar Narvaez is out for eight to nine weeks. But... He's not playing today. Uh, I don't know if it's because the Marlins are pitching in Edward Cabrera that, you know, is kind of a nightmare right on right for a guy that's just getting brought up there. But I don't know. We'll see how they handle that. He's not there. Beatty should be back soon. It's just thumb soreness. Vientos is a dog. Uh, this is a, this is a fun team. Who else should people kind of be monitoring on the Syracuse Mets roster? The king of prospect fatigue. Newly turned 22-year-old Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio turned 22 on Tuesday. And he is playing with his hair on fire in AAA as a newly minted 22-year-old. Yeah. We jump ship on this guy so quickly. Everyone did, bro. <laughs> he had two bombs. I know. I'm I'm telling you, everybody jumps ship on him. It's it's the Dominguez thing. Like, yeah. oh, Jason Dominguez sucks for a year. Out. <laughs> Out. It, it was also because just like you knew he wasn't going to stick it short. He just was getting slower and slower, but it doesn't really matter if you're a switch hitter who mashes and that's what he is. Um, He is the poster boy of prospect fatigue. I think at this point, Um, which is, which is really funny, Um, but it's good to see him succeeding. Uh, They also on the pitching side, it's kind of thin, but it's still a a pretty fun team. Jose Budo is worth watching. He will come up and and kind of plug in here and there for them. Eric Orsi is, is is fine. Uh, But yeah, it's really about the high level talent that they have here between Beatty, Mauricio, of course, Alvarez, if he comes back down, Vientos, Carlos Cortez is a relevant, you know, top 30 prospect to watch. Uh, but that's about it. Next ball club is a really fun one though. Yes. Very, very fun. Their IL you could argue is, is better than the rest of their roster right now. Louisville, um, triple a for the reds, Ellie De La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion strand are both on the injury list right now. They will pop off. They will join Matt McClain with the Louisville Bats. Nick Senzel and Joey Votto are on rehab assignments right now. That's kind of fun. Uh, Michael Ciani, the more I watch Ciani, the more I'm sold that he is a big leaguer for a little bit. That's what I'm saying. He's a big leaguer. Um, and, and then you've also got, you know, Brandon Williamson. See what you got there. Levi Stout. See what you got there. Ricky Karcher. It looks like a big league setup guy or a closer. I, I've 
I've aired out my frustrations in the way that he throws before. Um, and then everybody's favorite 32 year old Tyrone Guerrero is back with the Louisville bats. So um, that was kind of fun for me to watch 102 from Tyrone Guerrero, but no idea where it's going. He's down to like the mid to high nineties now, but um, yeah, man. I mean, when you're going to put out a lineup with Siani and then Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain and Christian Encarnacion strand must see TV. That's, that's one of the more exciting rosters in in minor league baseball, especially just with like the balance of star power and then just like solid fourth outfielder role player and Mike Siani. I love just like the duality of that because uh, they might be batting back to back when everybody's healthy. Uh, have you seen an ETA on, on Ellie Dola Cruz's injury? Uh, like when he's supposed to come back? I know it's not serious. Yeah, no, I haven't. I assume like a month or less. Yeah, that's it sucks. It sucks. I was so excited for him to just start the year hot and have all the fans freaking out about getting him to uh great American ballpark as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, move on to the Columbus Clippers, which talk about pitching. Like this is a team that even if they call some dudes up is going to be reloaded with more pitching because there's guys in double A who we'll talk about that are also really capable of getting out. But this Columbus Clippers roster is good on both sides from the pitching and the hitting. Dude, I mean, you're going to see something intriguing every night on the mound and in the lineup. And like shocker, the Columbus Clippers, the AAA affiliate of the Guardians, are good again. They were great last year because they had Will Brennan and they had Xavier Curry and Hunter Gaddis. Those guys are all up with the Guardians right now. So on the mound, you're getting some assortment of Logan Allen, Peyton Battenfield, Tanner Bybee, who had a meteoric rise to triple. Um, you've got some excellent bullpen arms and Nick Michalacic, Andrew Miziazic. How about Anthony Ghost, the two-way guy who's out for the entire season, whatever. Connor Pilkington is here too. Thomas Ponticelli uh, has some stuff as well. And then Tuki Tucson is kind of interesting. Let's go! <laughs> in Columbus as well. But the bats are so good, man. Bo Naylor is in triple. Tyler Freeman, Yankensi Noel, Brian Rocchio, Richie Palacios, hell, Roman Quinn, and then Valera is on the seven-day IL. Looks like Valera is out for a good bit. But, man, there, there's intrigue every time you pop on a Columbus Clippers game. Yeah, and then, you know, I don't think they're they're far away from getting Williams over here, too. So, yeah, this is, this is a really, really, really fun ball club. I'm telling you, between Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee, those two guys you should be tuning in for alone, especially Bybee. We're going to get him back on the podcast soon. I actually just reconnected with him recently. Uh, one of the nicest guys, too, sent me like a, a note to thank thank me for the merch that we sent over because we always send any any guest on the pod. We send them merch. Usually these guys are busy and whatever, but he sent me a specific note. This stuff is sweet. Thank you so much. And it's just like, that's the kind of guy Bybee is um, easy to root for, but he's legitimately nasty too. Uh, so catching up with him, I said, after you get a few starts under your belt, we got to get you back on here. Uh, so looking forward to him having like two or three shutout starts, then we're going to get him on and break him down. So looking forward to that. Bybee is going to be a big league three at worst a four. And I'd put a lot of money on that. I really would. Uh, but that's a fun yeah. ball club over there in Columbus with the guardians. Next up. The Norfolk Tides, AAA affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. And there's not much pitching here. D.L. Hall is there. That is a, certainly a notable start to watch. Um, who has any idea how long he will go? Um, but this lineup is absolutely loaded. Infielders alone, you've got Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz, and Connor Norby. You've got Colton Kowser in the outfield. Daz Cameron resurfaced in the Orioles system. So Daz being in the outfield is kind of interesting your favorite player ever, Lewin Diaz. Uh, and then Josh Lester just had a three homer game over the weekend. So, I mean, dude, like this lineup is going to mash. And, and, you know, whenever you see a notable pitching prospect facing the Norfolk Tides, just know that that is going to be a very hard start for them. Yes. And that's why, like, we, we were talking about it when Taj struggled. It was Taj that struggled against the Norfolk Tides, right? Like, mm -hmm. you got to take it a little bit with with a, a grain of salt there. That's a lot. That, that team is there a lineup you think that's tougher in minor league baseball than the norfolk tides i don't think so like maybe when louisville gets ellie and ces back you know that could be a tougher lineup but i mean norfolk dude when you can run westberg ortiz and norby back to back to back, and then Kowser, that's crazy yeah and then pitching wise hopefully they get seth johnson back at some point this year that's a guy that's definitely worth watching um chris valamont is like 
still kind of interesting part of that Lewin Diaz trade. It's kind of funny that uh, Valamont was sent to the Twins with Sergio Romo and to the Marlins was Lewin Diaz. And both of those guys are now on the Orioles AAA affiliate. Uh, but that's always interesting. But I mean, when you just got Norby, Ortiz, Westberg, uh, and then Diaz is no slouch. Like, I don't know if he's going to hit at the big league level, but that's a good triple a hitter at the very least on top of Kowser, Hudson Haskin. And then Daz Cameron has put up numbers. I think this is the minor league lineup. Like I don't think there's a more difficult minor league lineup to have to face than this group. Yeah. Although I just pulled up Durham. <laughs> Durham's Durham's good. You want to, you want to talk about Durham? I, the bats alone, Jonathan Aranda, Aslavis Basabe, Vidal Brujan, Tristan Gray, Kyle Manzardo, Curtis Mead, Cameron Meisner, Nico Holsizer, hell, Ben Gamble is on this roster as well. That's the bats. Then you look at what they have on the hill. Taj Bradley, of course. But then you go to a guy like Evan McKendry, or how about Luis Patino, who's still trying to find it 100%. And then you've got a, a Colby White that has some prospect, prospect intrigue that is on the uh, IL right now. Uh, and then some bullpen arms, like Zach Birdie is, is there. I mean, dude... Jose Lopez was returned from the Padres. There's just going to be something good all the time. Jose Lopez got returned. I forgot about that. Uh, that's lit. I love Jose Lopez. Um, yeah, <laughs> dude, Basabe has been awesome. I think that's got to be one of the most underrated guys. And he's underrated because he's in this lineup that is so loaded. I think Basabe is better than Brujan at this point. I think that's kind of clear. Uh, we'll see if if the Rays believe that and who gets the next call kind of to get brought back up. I yeah. think Basabe is a 40-man guy too, so you might as well bring him up, you know, like if, if you need another infielder. Uh, but what's crazy is all of these guys could plug and play, I think like now, and be and be good, or at least give you a shot at the big league level with, with Meade, Manzardo, Brujan, Basabe, Aranda. You know, I'm not the biggest Brujan guy, but again, if you have to plug that guy in with these new rules, the very least he's going to give you defense and steal bags when he gets on base. Um, Pinto has been swinging it pretty well. Uh, th- this team from top to bottom is just a blast. Uh, Durham Bulls should be a team that you, if you have a chance to watch a minor league game, if you're itching, that's a team to watch. Even like Nico Holsizer and Cameron Meisner, like those guys will hit you moonshots when they connect. Yes, 100%, man. Next one is Vegas, and, and we can start and stop with Tyler Soderstrom, but there's some really good guys flanking Soderstrom here. Like Kyle McCann is another catcher that I think, you know, can be a big leaguer at some point. But then you have a bunch of guys that are knocking at the door. Jordan Diaz, I love. I think Diaz is like a bat to ball corner infield guy that can hit pretty well. Um, but then you've got guys that like have major league experience and Jonah Bride, Termese Garcia, Tyler Wade, JJ Blade, Cal Stevenson. Um, you, you've got Zach Geloff on the IL right now. Las Vegas is pretty fun. And then on the hill, like, do you see much intrigue here? Luis Medina, I'm just always fascinated by. <laughs> yeah, Luis Medina is always going to be worth a watch. Um, but, you know, th- this team, I think, is going to be putting up a lot of runs. Uh, yeah. And they're probably going to be giving up a fair amount of runs. But I-, I-, I do think that any single time that you get a chance to tune in and watch uh, Tyler Soderstrom, I think you got to be watching. Like, this is one of the the better offensive forces uh, I think that you're going to find right now in minor league baseball. And I-, and I think he's already proven that. Jake Fishman's pretty nasty as a reliever. But pitching-wise, it's it's kind of thin on that Vegas team. Um, but Kyle McCann no slouch either. I, I would say catching position wise, that's got to be one of the best in the minor leagues between Soderstrom and McCann, maybe not defensively, but offensively. Um, and then Kevin Smith has like 15 home runs in 32 games for whatever that's worth. And, you know, Bode, Bode has been off to a pretty good start and has that least intrigue of a top five pick, top six pick. So uh, this is a fun team. Can I tell you, I will take this next catching tandem over Vegas's catching tandem. Let's hear it. Diego Cartaya and Carson Taylor with double A Tulsa in the Dodgers system. Carson yeah, Taylor. That'll play. That'll yeah, play. that'll play. Taylor is switch hitter out of Virginia Tech. He was great as a hokey. Uh, he has been really good in, in the lower levels. Cartaya, everybody knows that that is listening to this podcast. Everybody knows who Diego Cartaya is. Uh, he's in double. And then you've got guys like Idis Leonard, Yorbit Vivas, Brandon Lewis, who can mash. And is Mike Moustakas his doppelganger. Johnny DeLuca is like poor man's James Outman. Yeah. Andy Pajes, you know who he is. Jose Ramos is in double. Cody Hosey is in double. And then you go to the pitching staff, man. 
Ooh. I mean, Nick Frasso is a name that jumps out. Kyle oh, Hurt, yeah. Landon Knack, Lyle Lockhart, Cole Percival is Troy's son, could be a big league closer. River Ryan and Emmett Sheehan, who we talked about. This R- team is stacked. So Sheehan, disgusting. Probably the 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 highest profile prospect here. Uh, but then you got like Landon Knack, as you mentioned. Frasso, I think, is one of the bigger breakout guys to watch. And if it's not Frasso, it's River Ryan. So you've got several guys here who could easily have their ascension, you know, with this ball club. Yeah. So there is some really, really exciting arms on this team. Even a Ben Harris, dad, a darling with the fastball lefty that just takes off out of his hand. Even Kyle hurt another dad, a darling. So there's even lower level breakout guys as well. This entire staff almost has intrigue. This is, this is one of the best teams top to bottom in all of minor league baseball. For sure. Um, hey, do we want to do triple and double this episode and then high and low next week? Or do we want to yeah, just let's, rip let, all of them? We, we can do that. We yeah, do your that. call. Um, all right. Live, love, and the Hartford Yard Goats. I love them so much. Double A for the Colorado Rockies. Drew Romo and Hunter Goodman, uh, two very notable catchers. Romo, obviously the big prospect, but Goodman had an insane year last year yeah. uh, in the Rockies system. Warming Bernabel is a is a Hartford Yard goat. Grant Levine is also on that team, and then my King Zach Veen, man. This lineup, dude, will be tested if they can do it here. They can do it at altitude. I mean, yeah. Talk about another insane catching tandem between yeah. Drew, Drew Romo and then the offensive ability of Hunter Goodman. If you could combine Drew Romo and Hunter Goodman, you'd probably have one of the best catching prospects in all of baseball. You probably have uh, Cartaya. Yeah, better, <laughs> better, because uh, I think Romo's defense is just insane. Um, warming Bernabel, I love, man. This guy's worth watching every single time he's at the box. I, he can just really swing it. You talked about Veen. Like, this is a fun, fun team. Pitching-wise, it's uh, it's the Not Rockies good. affiliate, remember? So uh, there's there's – some intrigue, I guess, like Case Williams, like Chris McMahon, maybe like the, the pitching is definitely not the most exciting, but offensively, this this team's a force. Yeah, 100 um, percent. You're you're buying a little bit more stock in Zach Veen via yes. text. Is that so? Yeah, I liked I liked what I saw on the backfields. Um, the dad batted ball data in the early going looks a little bit better. Tapping into more power. I, I'm interested to monitor how how he starts off this season, but. Uh, the, the thing with him is if, if it all clicks the ceiling, we, we know what that is. <laughs> I, I've already called him like Barry Bonds meets Ricky Henderson meets Andrew Jones. So yeah, I think you're nuts. <laughs> yeah, I am nuts, but you know what? It's okay. Uh, Somerset, the double A affiliate of the Yankees, another great double A team. Clayton beater is on this team. Will Warren is on that team, but there is some serious intrigue uh, in the bats. Tyler Hardman, Delvin Perez is kind of fun, but Trey Sweeney, Jason Dominguez, Everson Pereira, this team has some stars. Yeah, and then even on the pitching side, right, you got Will Warren, who I, I, I really, really like. You've got Clayton Beater, who is just nasty. <laughs> so, of course, you're tuning in for the bats here, but you have some some pitching intrigue. But, yeah, I mean, when you, when you get a chance to see Jason Dominguez and Everson Pereira, I think two of the more – high upside prospects in the minors and in this Yankee system. And then a first rounder like Sweeney. It's just a fun group. Uh, even Hardman, Tyler Hardman hits the crap out of the ball. Um, and then, you know, former first rounder, Anthony Siegler. Let's see. Let's see what the switch hitting switch thrower can do behind the dish. Uh, this is, this is a really fun ball club over here. Also don't sleep on Richard Fitz, another intriguing arm uh, who who could have some rotation upside. If he continues to to kind of progress the way he has, he looked really good in spots last year. Siegler was the one that got uh, cut down at second base after like, like pimping the shit out of a double, right? Yeah, he like hit the wall and he got cut down at second. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, that was a rough uh, one. Um, the Frisco Rough Riders, the AA affiliate of the Rangers, I mean, they have as much like top end strength as you could imagine. Evan Carter and Dustin Harris are in the outfield. Luis Angel Acuna is in the infield. And then you've got Jack Leiter, you've got Antoine Kelly, you've got TK Roby and Owen White. I mean, damn, man, you're tuning into a good start with some like top 100 guys offensively all the time. Yeah, I was going to say this might be the most top 100 guys. Uh, Like if not, it's very close. I love TK Roby as well. I think it's a really intriguing arm. Um, But if you like took it like an aggregate of like prospect rankings, 
I mean, Owen White's going to be in the top 40 for us or top 45. And then Evan Carter is going to be even higher than that. So like, there's not that many teams with two top 40 prospects. Then you also throw Jack Leiter into, into the fold there. Uh, you throw some of these other just very intri- intriguing names, fringe top 100 guys like Luis Angel Acuna. Um, and then even somebody like Trevor Hover, who you know has not quite progressed the way that I think they had hoped when they tra- acquired him from the Yankees in that Gallo trade, but still intriguing. Antoine Kelly. We know what he can be when he's healthy. This is a fun ball club uh, that is going to be worth watching almost no matter who's on the bump. And there's going to be a lot of days where there's some intrigue on the bump when you got lighter and white. And then when the third guy is TK Roby, like Roby is a very solid pitching prospect. This is a fun ball club. For sure. All right. Two more double A teams. I'm saving your favorite for last. Um, Let's go to Biloxi, the Shuckers, double A affiliate of the Brewers. Jackson Chorio gets his opening day look in double. You've got Jefferson Carroll on the same team. Tyler Black is also on this team. Noah Campbell, everybody's favorite utility man, the former South Carolina game guy. He doesn't have much prospect intrigue, but like Felix Valerio is still on this team. Freddie Zamora is on this team. And then you go to the rotation and you see a guy like Tobias Myers, who is intriguing. Nick Bennett is intriguing. And then you know, some guys that could turn into big league relievers. How about a Zach Venaro or an Adam Seminaris who was acquired in that uh, Hunter Renfro deal? Uh, it, this is a team that I, I think the bats are really going to show up. I, I think anytime Abner or Rebe comes out of the bullpen, you need to watch because uh, it's 102. And no idea where it's going. So that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson Carroll is one of my favorite catching prospects in baseball. So, I mean, I, that's a guy that I, I like to watch do his thing behind the dish and then also at the plate. So I'm super excited for that. Tyler Black, uh, a lot of people that I really respect in this industry have, have Black higher than I can totally understand. Um, a lot of that's because of the hit tool and the approach. He's been very injury plagued. So I'm very interested to see what he does this year. A lot are tabbing him as kind of a breakout candidate. Uh, and then, of course, Chorio, man. I mean, this, this is another guy that's being considered top five prospect in baseball. Uh, you got to tune in and watch one of the youngest players in the double A level in a long time, do his thing in Biloxi where the ball takes off to left field. I'm expecting some big power numbers from Chorio. Um, I would like for you to walk me through the Tennessee Smokies, the double the A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs, because Tennessee, I mean, there are too many notable arms to count, whether they are starters or relievers, especially when you, you start to get into like the IL and even like, Max Bain is a guy that can run it up to the upper 90s, and he's on the development list. Like, that's kind of crazy. But then the bats, I mean, everybody's got intrigue. This team's insane. So offensively, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, think I kind of skewed to just like enjoying watching hitting a little bit more sometimes. So I'm probably going to spend more time on the bats on this team. But Ben Brown is probably one of the most electric besides Palencia. In this Cubs system, Ben Brown might have as much upside pitching prospect upside as anybody in the Cubs system came over in that David Robertson deal from the Phillies. I have no idea. Well, I do know why the Phillies traded him. I mean, Robertson helped get them to the World Series. It's a d- yeah. classic Dombrowski move because Ben Brown is a really exciting six foot six power pitching prospect. Uh, just high spin fastball, hammer breaking ball. He's gross. DJ Hers is worth watching because if he has any semblance of command, he is incredibly hard to hit. Uh, Porter Hodge, one of the more underrated pitching prospects in the system, has back end the rotation intrigue. Jordan Wicks, former first rounder, should be a solid pitch ability lefty. Daniel Palencia is the most electrifying pitching prospect in the system. Routinely hits triple digits. Like this is a crazy staff. And then even Ryan Jensen turned in a really nice outing the other night. Former first rounder still has some intrigue there. And you mentioned Bain, Burl Caraway. If he can even have 35 command would be a nasty arm as well. So worth monitoring there. But then how about the, the offense here? Miguel Amaya is finally, you know, going to, going to be healthy. I think this year and, and finally be able to consistently play, uh, especially in the second half of the season. Really excited to see Amaya. I still think he's, he's a legitimate prospect here. And then you, you got so many bats, especially in the outfield. Owen Casey, who I think I'm higher on than anybody on this planet besides his family. I think he's going to show out in a big way this year has monster power. Oh yeah. That guy, Pete Crow Armstrong, 80 grade defender and center can really swing it. That's a guy worth watching every single time he's on the field. Jordan Wogu, when he gets a hold of one, it's going to go. That's a guy worth watching. And then Cole Roeder had a nice season last year. Nelson Maldonado is no slouch. Uh, Bryce Ball had, you know, a nice 
do a little stretch. And then Chase Trump is not bad either. But I mean, the star power of this offense is really exciting. Only thing I want to add is uh, Burl Caraway in 2021 was just hilarious. Uh, and then 2022, it was insane too. Uh, 2021 between high A and double, most of his appearances in high A, 35 and two thirds innings, 54 punch outs, so 13 and a half Ks per nine, 46 walks, so 11 and a half walks per nine. And then last year, he, he throws in 10 games in Tennessee, 10 innings, seven strikeouts, 24 walks. I mean, oh my gosh. But this is a former first round pick. Is like a guy that seemed like a closer and waiting. He just can't throw strikes. If he can throw strikes, we may be in for a movie. Yes, absolutely. Is that it for our upper levels? That is it. All right. So we'll give you the low A, high A rundown on the next episode on Monday of those top rosters there, uh, which should be a lot of fun to break down. Anything else, Jack, before we wrap it up for the week and get ready for a fun weekend of minor league baseball? I don't think so, man. This is awesome to have it all back. And like, you know, opening day at the major league level is great. It's a holiday and everything. But, you know, the ability to wake up at, you know, whatever time on a Saturday morning and pop on a minor league game at, you know, noon and then not have them turn off until like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., is just something that you cannot replicate, man. Thank goodness. Minor league baseball is back. I can't wait, man. It just feels like it's a, it's endless, endless opportunity to watch something exciting and watch, you know, the future of baseball there. Top 100 list coming out for just baseball on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, top 100 is live, which is fun because Gunner and Corbin graduated. So we have some uniqueness to this top 100 with the two guys that have been at the top pretty much for a while now removed. There's a new number one, and it's going to be fun to reveal that in the coming days. Look out for that on just baseball.com on Tuesday. And then Jack and I will be doing episodes running through that entire top 100 over the next couple of weeks. So that should be a lot of fun. If you enjoy the podcast, please take the second to leave a rating, uh, subscribe to our YouTube. There's going to be a plenty of content there and follow us on our Twitters uh, to keep up with everything going on in the minor league landscape. I'll be tweeting about everything. I see Jack tweets about what he's literally seeing in front of him as he broadcasts it. Uh, and we try to keep you as plugged in to what's going on in the minor leagues as possible. As always, thank you for listening. And we look forward to talking prospects with you on Tuesday. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.